Are there nerds here tonight? Nerds! You are a part of the lucky 10,000 with your hosts, Evan. They all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. And Carissa. Not hot in spite of being a geek, but because of it. Being a nerd, it's not about what you love. It's about how you love it. Hey guys. Hey everybody. This is Evan. And I'm Carissa. And we are the Lucky 10,000, the podcast that gets you luckier than a nostalgia addict at the end of every year. Aww. Yeah, and that's what it's all about today. But before we get into the actual subject matter, we just want to thank Tangent Bound Podcast and Musings of a Geek for adding us to their awesome list of shows on their networks. Also, the Bearded Pods Network, you can find us with the Bearded Ones Comedy Podcast and Teddy and the Bassman. And a couple of self-promotional shout-outs. I have uh, a new audiobook on Audible called Candle in the Dark, a Holiday Anthology. And I have a couple of other books on there. So if you search Audible just under the name Evan Harris, you can find my entries and purchase them. Well, you should definitely purchase them. You should, because they're very, very good. And I am brilliant. And broke. And very broke. <laughs> and if you haven't gotten enough of the sultry tones of me voice, if you haven't heard this voice enough, you know, through the two podcasts I'm on, uh, purchase these books. And you can hear me do a lot more things. Well, I'm excited. Yes, you should be, as well as all of you. So today, seeing as how this will be our last official podcast for the year 2015, we decided, what the fuck, let's talk about the year 2015. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to talk about all the great stuff that happened this year, or the, the bests of this year, and what we're looking forward to in 2016. Absolutely. And it is all about nostalgia. And the older you get, if you're a youngin' listening to this, the more nostalgic you will get. I went on a kick earlier this year of retro video games, and I loved it because uh, the games are still fun, obviously, but there's also just a lot of memories attached to them. So, you know, I, I myself was always a fan of those VH1 specials where they would get a bunch of people together and talk about a certain decade where because there's always now? stuff that you forget about. Yeah. They were always fun, so that's what we're going to do. So since Carissa is sort of more at the forefront of a lot of things that I just don't keep track of because I'm not as in the moment as she is, I will pass the baton to her to begin with, what do you want to start with, technology? I mean, sure. I kind of just compiled a list of the, the best stuff that came out that I'm aware of from 2015, my personal favorite things that happened. Go for it. Sure, we can start with tech. I think the coolest thing that happened this year for tech were DARPA-developed mind-controlled prosthetics. Oh, yes, for sure. That are, I mean, they're kind of calling them like Luke Skywalker's hand. You know, I actually knew a guy that got one. Uh, it wasn't mind-controlled, but it was very advanced. He's a, he's an amputee who actually has gotten a lot of work from being an amputee. He's been on The Walking Dead a few times. Shot in the head by Rick Grimes himself. Well. At close range. Uh, his name's Wallace Krebs, if you're listening, Wallace. And he was able to wear a prototype for about six months of a very advanced prosthetic arm and it was pretty awesome and yes we all geeked out and thought luke when we saw it yeah and apparently they're i mean they're called mind controlled because they're sensory so you're able to yes. actually like get feedback from the grip of your fingers right. and be able to tell it like open your hand close your pinky touch your nose i mean so they're not i mean mind controlled prosthetics sounds more like magic than science but it's really just the nervous sensors they go from mind to extremity yeah. and they enable a lot more fine motor control and they're just really exciting. Like in 2014, my favorite was the, the gyroscopic spoon for Parkinson's sufferers. Uh -huh. 
that allowed them to eat like soup and cereal without spilling it yeah. all over everything. And it's some it's simple stuff that tech can do that isn't like gadgets or whatever, but that actually yes, improves quality of life. People to eat without making a mess. Unfortunately, it didn't help any of able-bodied people at the beginning of any infomercial you might see who all of a sudden have massive problems with the simplest tools in their homes. Yes, they just cannot cope with life and the day-to-day <laughs> tasks of living successfully. Yes. I never realized opening a can of food was that hard for right, an able-bodied person. Or getting a person. bowl out of a cabinet. Those things are just beyond some people, apparently. But yeah, I absolutely agree with you on that. We've had some amazing leap forwards in that sort of thing. Now with 3D printers, oh, we're yeah. able to make so many prosthetics at, I think, less than half the price, way oh, less than half the price that less. they were normally on the market for. Well, and I know that there's like dentistry is using 3D printing for caps and yeah. enamel and fillings and stuff. Just that's just something that they do. They just have them in the office. They just take an imprint of your tooth. They 3D print you a new cap and they slip it on. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's absolutely enthralling and amazing. And I absolutely agree. One of my favorite videos of 2015, I think it was 2015. I don't know if you saw it or not, was Robert Downey Jr. Yes, with the Iron Man hand. Amputee, yes, the yeah. Iron Man hand, giving that amputee kid an Iron Man hand, which he's gone from now being, you know, maybe not a subject of ridicule at school, who knows, but definitely, you know, if you're not used, if you don't know any amputees, especially as a child, the first time you come across one, it can be uncomfortable and awkward to say the least to being like probably the coolest kid in school. <laughs> Absolutely. He's Iron Man. Yeah. And it works. Yeah. Well, I mean, it doesn't like shoelacers or whatever, but it works as a hand. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, wouldn't that have been awful, though? If I was like, here, here's an Iron Man hand. Iron Man, great guy. And it doesn't even do anything. He's like, no, it doesn't. It's just it's just like a toy. You it's a glove, it. you know. <laughs> they didn't tell me you only have one hand. I'm sorry. I just thought I was giving you a power glove. Right. Oh. But and, and those those kind of advancements seem to be the ones coming the fastest and in the most quantity because not just that, but they are starting to call them, I think, Iron Man suits in some places where it's, you know, helping disabled people walk. Yeah, the powered armor. Well, I know that uh, Japan had developed basically powered armor for nurses that they're kind of like the thing that Ripley wore in Alien. Yes, very much so. And they're just like body or they're wearable forklifts. Effectively. Let's be specific for the geeks out there. Aliens. A sorry. Yes. My apologies. It was aliens. They basically allow, you know, small Asian nurses to yeah. lift and turn and carry their larger patients. Or yeah, it's amazing. Not even larger, just patients who are larger than they. And that powered armor effectively just completely negates any sort of difference in body size or muscle mass. It's yeah. incredible. It's incredible the advancements those things can make. And it seems to be coming so quickly. You know, some of them are kind of big and kind of bulky and very slow. I've seen paraplegics, uh, disabled people, at least from the waist down, use them, you know, to get around their homes and stuff, which is amazing and awesome. But it still is very kind of ponderous, very slow. They don't give a shit because they're able to walk. Right. But just imagine where that's going to be in just a couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. I love following medical tech because tech can do a lot of stuff like gadgets. And that's great sure. for me because I love gadgets. But it's really what tech can do to actually improve the quality of life for people whose quality of life isn't optimal. Yeah, you know, that's the thing that I think we all miss. In fact, it really is a statement of the both of us that your first thing you wanted to talk about in technology 2015 is very humanitarian and mine is very flimsy and floppy and and you know, entertainment oriented, but for every piece of entertainment oriented tech we get that is symbolic of something else someone is doing that is actually truly helping people. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love my gadgets. Of but course, we all do. I expect that tech is going to come up with my gadgets. 
what I don't ever expect is the stuff that tech will come up with that I would just never think about doing. Right. And, you know, all the advancements and things like AI and things like that, yep. which eventually whittles down to us in the form of toys and video games and things. I saw a video earlier this year because I love watching videos about robotics. And I don't know if this was 2015, but it wasn't that long ago where they're now using fully operating, independent, artificial intelligence, speaking of dentistry, robots in Japan to train dental students and these robots look obviously eerily human they still have the uncanny valley thing going on but they're eerily human and their mouths open their tongues move they try and talk while you're doing the procedure they have pain sensors so that if you're doing something and you get a little too forceful they will react that is awesome it's you gotta look it up it's amazing that's really cool (laughs) Yeah. I mean, technology is just awesome. Yeah. You're going positive with technology. I'm going to go negative. Okay. My biggest technological memory of 2015 is the Apple Watch and how nobody wanted it. Oh, God. I don't understand the wearables. I just don't get it. I really don't. And I I don't actually know anybody with any wearables, but clearly people are buying them. I know one person them. that has an Apple Watch and seems to really enjoy it. But at the same time, I'm like, you know, one of the reasons cell phones have really taken off and smartphones have really taken off is because it's so useful. Yes. It's already something that we wanted to have with us anyway, because once cell phones were around, we're like, oh, my God, I never have to miss another call. And then you add a computer onto that and you're just like, oh, my God, I never have to be bored again. But. Apple Watches, to me, were just a silly extension. That was one of those things that was just like, I remember seeing the commercials for it, or all the pre-hype and the buzz, just like the fucking Google Glasses, which still, to me, make no sense why anyone would want to own a pair. It's that thing that you see in a store or at a con and put it on for a second and go, yeah, that's cool. A, how much is it? No. And B, I don't really need it. And of course, our lives are filled with technology that we don't need, but they're also practical in a way. We don't need video games, but we love the entertainment value of video games. Right. You've got a watch that can already do everything your smartphone can do. Why pay a ridiculous amount of money for it simply to have a much smaller, kind of inconvenient version of that thing? And I think the thing about it that gets me the most is that it's a watch. Like, the watch has been obsolete since the cell phone. Right. No one needs a watch anymore because I have the time on me. Right. Well, and my daughter did get a watch this year for Christmas and loved it, but that's more a statement of sort of wanting to come into adulthood a little bit, I think, even though she probably wouldn't admit that. Does she have a cell phone? Yeah. Yeah, but she doesn't carry it with her all the time. Well, I mean, but also it is easier if you get a cheap little watch to look on your wrist instead of digging in your pocket just to see what the time is. But that's what a watch is for. Just a quick glance down at your wrist to see what the time is. It's not to do everything you can already do on your phone, except much smaller and more inconvenient because you can't use both hands. I don't want to have to futz with the touchscreen on something that is like an inch and a half by an inch and a half. I have a smartphone for that. Its screen is, you know, three by five or however big it is. And uh, that's much more convenient to me. And if you're going to shrink it down that small, it's either less convenient or it doesn't have as many features, at which point now it's just a big, clunky, ugly watch. Well, I didn't need the watch. I have a cell phone. What the fuck? Right. We were just talking about at the beginning of this how this amazing technology for amputees, paraplegics is making their lives easier. How does the Apple Watch make our lives easier? It doesn't. I I agree. I don't think it possibly can. Therefore, people didn't flock to it, and Apple really put all their eggs in that watch basket and suffered. Well, good. And, you know, I don't want to see any big company like that fail. I still love 
the Apple store at the mall. It's the only thing I like about the mall is the Apple store just because it feels like you're walking into the fucking future, even though I'm not even an Apple guy. I'll just walk in there sometimes and just be like, I'm in THX 1138. <laughs> but the Apple Watch and again, the Google glasses, even though they weren't 2015, they're always going to be remembered for these tremendous failures where people just thought, well, this doesn't really make your life any easier. It's just cool. And most people don't go for just cool. Like they'll go for just cool for five minutes and then go, yeah, but this is ridiculous. I'm not going to walk around with these Google glasses on my face and not be able to really see anything because I'm trying to look one eyed at the Internet. The Apple Watch was like, yeah, uh, if you see somebody with it, you want to take a look at it and go, yeah, that's cool. I'm never going to own one and I don't care if I do. Yeah, if I see somebody with it, I think, how else could I con this person out of their money? Yeah, exactly. <sighs> I mean, I understand the idea. It is very, you know, Dick Tracy and it's, it's very Batman to have all these gadgets that do that kind of thing. But, you know, Dick Tracy had his computer watch, communicator watch when we didn't have cell phones. Yeah. Again, I have a cell phone for that. Right. Yeah. So, yeah that's know. that's my entry for technology. Yeah, it's just I'm with like, you. Eh, I'm totally with you. I didn't get it. I was never on board with it. I thought it was cool for about five seconds. And then I went, A, I do not have that kind of money to spend on something like that. And B, it doesn't make my life any easier at all. And you have to have an iPhone for it. Like It's not just like a, oh, I can do every, I don't have to buy an iPhone. I can buy this watch. It's like it still has to connect through your phone. It's just so weird. stupid. What else you got? Uh, well, let's stick kind of with techie stuff. Science did some things this year. Science! Science! So there were a couple things that happened this year that were actually pretty exciting scientifically. Yeah. One of them I don't understand, but I know that it is exciting. Right. Which is the Large Hadron Collider discovered yes. pentaquarks. Yes. They affirmed the existence of pentaquarks. Yes. Slightly differently. Was it the differently. God particle or was no. that 2014? This is something different. Okay. The I love pentaquarks. I love the fact that the Hedron Collider found them, and I love the fact that they have made acapella popular again. <laughs> I didn't realize that the Hedron Collider was what found them. I thought it was YouTube. No, they discovered the pentaquarks are slightly different than previously thought and are looking forward to finding more variety of them. And that's kind of the extent of my understanding, yeah. though I've read several pretty lengthy articles about them. It's just slightly beyond me. So I just know that they found them and that it's very exciting. So that's one thing that science did this year. And also the LHC did not explode and destroy the Earth. So Hooray! NASA flew by Pluto. That was awesome. And it was the pictures were amazing. Yeah, they were gorgeous. Water on Mars. Water on Mars. That that's was my next one. big deal. And the Earth Ebola two? vaccine. Oh, yeah. Ebola vaccine. Whatever. They found Earth 2. Eh. That's like total DC shit right there. They, eh. It's, that's a very hyperbolic way to talk about it. They call it Earth. NASA called it Earth 2. Yeah, and it's still a very hyperbolic way to talk about it. Look, NASA said it. It's got to be true. Does it? Yeah. I mean, at this point, all they know is it could possibly sustain life the way we do. But that's still incredible to think that it's oh, I mean, closer than we thought. Yeah, absolutely. And Kepler's a great capture of the imagination, I suppose, scientifically, because it does allow us some form of goal. Yeah. Which is great. I mean, anything that gets that, us like, off this planet is the fine. The flash is on there somewhere. Right. So that's fine. It's cool. But we just don't know enough about it yet to be that excitedly titled about the whole thing, I think. Right. 
So those were my big science ones, mostly NASA and the LHC. Very cool. Um, I don't really have much else in the ways of science that you haven't already mentioned. You know, for me this year, I was going to bring up a lot of personal stuff. As I stated earlier, the audio booking has actually been doing pretty well for me as far as getting work. And I've only been doing it for a couple of months, so I'm really excited about that. I had an extremely fortunate and beneficial year as far as just work in general is concerned. I directed a full-length play for the first time. I continued writing for our web series. I wrote four of six episodes, and we filmed the second season. It is being edited, I believe, as we speak. Nice. That's the first five years, www.jackandcarmen.com. In a period between, say, February and, I think, September, it was constant work at all the different theaters in the area and a lot of doing things I'd never done before to, you know, for the most part, work I'm also proud of. So, you know, that that's what I'll remember about 2015 artistically. And it's still going. You know, there are a few days left and right before this podcast, I was recording a chapter of an audiobook that I'm currently working on, which has been really beneficial for me because I sort of pulled myself out of the nine to five, you know, work struggle of hating what you do every day. And I'm trying to focus all my energies on finding the way to do what I love, which is a very scary thing. But also at this point, you know, obviously in the next couple of months, if all that doesn't work out, I'll keep doing it and then just have to find a regular job again. But for now, I've got enough to sustain myself and my daughter. And we had a great Christmas. There was no like lulls in Christmas or anything. So all that's been great. Good. The road to self-actualization is an important road to walk on. Absolutely. What about you? How's your 2015 been personally? You know, surviving. (laughs) Well, we've definitely both had our share of, of rough patches, but... You know, yeah. let's focus on the positives. I'm still here. Everything is, you know, I've got great pets and family and friends that I love. Started a new podcast. Started a new podcast for all the, for all, you know, for all that's worth. <laughs> <laughs> so this has been the last episode of Lucky 10,000, guys. I hope you've enjoyed it. Nah, it's actually been a lot more fun than I even thought it would be to I be. I really with. had to push you into it. That you was did, because I'm not a huge podcast person. Even right. to this day, I'm in touch with lots of other podcasts because it's a very interconnected little community but I don't listen to a lot of them because I'm usually doing stuff that has sound and so I don't have other sound on right but it's been a lot more fun just doing it whether anybody's even listening or not if we're just talking at each other for no other purpose than that it's been fun to do to have kind of a structure and and a reason to talk too because yeah. we would go for years absolutely talking it has been a lot of fun you know i started the the idea of a network and facilitating other podcasts and i had two or three other podcasts that i was thinking about being on i'm so glad i didn't because it just would have been too much work yeah but those kind of fell apart and this one just kind of came up where i was like i know carissa can talk and she's smart and she is passionate about things and we had you on the bearded ones it was just like fuck it this could be a podcast and i remember coming to you with the idea and you're like what no Like, it wasn't even a, hmm, it was, no. No. And I was like, but please. I'm glad you did, though. It's been a lot of fun. I like the structure of it. Yes. Because I'm I'm semi-retired anyway, so I kind of don't have a lot of structure in my life. Right. I just get to do whatever I want, which generally is great, but I do lack a lot of that. You have to have something done by a certain time. Yes. And it's been nice because 
while I am very passionate about a lot of things and I try to stay educated on the things that I'm passionate about, I do sometimes just kind of coast and not pay all that much attention to them. Sure. But it's really nice to be able to have a reason to say, hey, I'm going to talk about this thing this week. I should read everything there is to read right. about it. And then Absolutely. I get to really delve into the stuff that I'm already passionate about and learn more for myself, which I always love doing anyway. So it's been giving it's giving me a great excuse to just do that more. And that's been fun. So, and, you know, we're not that. a huge podcast. We're certainly not in the top 10 of Stitcher or anything. But we also have gotten some very nice uh, shout outs, some very nice compliments from people. Yeah. You know, some very nice things. So among all those other things, we know someone's listening and that's always nice. And you're welcome. <laughs> so didn't want to delve on the personal stuff for too long because who really gives a shit that's listening? But I just thought that would be a nice thing for both of us to acknowledge. Yeah. But now let's move on to something that we both kind of wrap our heads around and are very passionate about. Uh, entertainment. Yes. How was this year for you as far as movies, TV, video games, things like that? Well, what are the big ones? It was a good year. Not an amazing year, but a good year. You know, let's start with gaming first because you're so much more on top of it than I am. What is the game for you for 2015? The one that came out this year? Yes, that has just been like, this is it. They nailed it, knocked it out of the park. There are th actually three awesome. that came out this year and uh, an honorable mention. The three that came out this year, they all have to be on the list because they're different games, like totally sure. different genres, different play styles. The first one is City Skylines, Okay. which is a sim, effectively, like a city sim. Right. They got everything right. You start from scratch and you build a city from, you know, your first inroads off the highway to building up your industry and building up your neighborhoods and your subdivisions and your commercial shopping centers. So they kind of picked up where EA faltered? Fucked. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's truly amazing. You can get it on Steam and the workshop has a bunch of modders, right. gaming modders who just create other stuff. Like, do you need a different intersection for your highway? Here's 150 different intersections or interchanges to put on your highway. Do you need a bus stop with like trees and stuff and you don't want to design it yourself? Here's a bus stop. Just plop it down into your city. That The support for that community is really high and there's so much you can do with it. If you like Sims at all, City Skylines is, yeah. for now at least, the end-all be-all of City Sims. It's fantastic. Excellent. The next one would be Ori and the Blind Forest. Yes, I saw a React video about this. It looks so good. Uh, was it everyone who watches Ori and the Blind Forest first five minutes cries like they were watching Up? <laughs> it was, I got really sucked into the Fine Brothers React channel this year. And if I just sit down and, and choose one, I will fall down the YouTube rabbit hole of the Fine Brothers React videos. I'm not huge into React videos, but I think they do it right. And they showed some teens, Ori and the Black Forest, and let them you know play through the first couple of minutes. And they were all like, I'm not going to say anybody cried, but there was definitely some nice, through the sort of beauty of the animation and the great visual storytelling, it sucks you into this world immediately and then breaks oh, your heart. Oh, seriously, I, I cannot overemphasize how sad it is. It's very sad, but also like, and it's not, but it's not so sad that you go, I, I can't. No, not do at this. all. It's, I mean, it is a compelling reason to play the game because, kind of like up, it's not a horrible comparison. I think in my mind. No, the very beginning of it, it starts like happy and then it gets super soul crushingly sad. Yeah, within like, oh, yeah, two it's minutes. like the first thing that happens. <laughs> and the soul crushingly sad part doesn't 
just stop you from playing. It is actually the motivation to do the story that follows. It's really very good, and it's hard. Yeah, you know, that's something that with my lessons in retro gaming, that a lot of games now, because there's constant abilities to save, you don't have to go back and do things once you've done them very often. Um, I heard a... (laughs) A radio, a guy on a radio show talking about the difference between old games and new games, and he's like, "Dude, I'll be playing a first-person shooter and jump over a log and be like, save, because you just don't want to go back and risk doing anything yep. again." And that that has facilitated, actually, in a lot of ways, easier gameplay because you're taking it such small sections by sections. Not that those sections can't be challenging, because they are. But the biggest thing that I've had to wrap my head around when I go back to play older games is you got to like get really good at the game. Or you're going to have to start all the way fucking over yeah. again. And so there's there's an element of challenge that has, I think, been lost in modern gaming. Not that they aren't challenging. There's just an element of it that's not there and anymore. And Ori has the periodic saves. So it's not auto-saving. Right. Like it's, checkpoint. it's checkpoint saving. And seriously, it gets hard, which I love. But again, not so hard that you want to put it down. You may have to take a break. Yeah, yes. You may, or you may have to look up online how to finally jump over that one fucking log. Which I try to fucking avoid like the plague when I'm playing a video game, but I oh, have yeah. done it. I don't know anybody who hasn't ever cheated or at least looked for help once. Like You know, this year, it didn't come out this year, but this year for my PS Vita, which I'm one of the only people I know that has, and I love it, I got Arkham Origins Blackgate, and uh, not what I would say is a worthy successor to the Batman <laughs> video game franchise. There's a lot of needless wandering around after you've completed a stage with no new enemies or no new anything to do. It's just, oh, you got to go back and get this thing. But I got kind of stubborn about it because it has good moments. It's not a terrible game, but it is so frustrating in its sort of monotony and the parts that are hard. You're just kind of like, I've not invested enough in this game. Like, I could put that game down, not play it for months and be fine with it because I would get so frustrated. that I'm just like, I'm not frustrated because I want to excel at this. I'm frustrated because I can't believe I'm wasting my time on this. Uh, So Ori and the Blind Forest was fantastic. It's a side-scrolly platformer. The art is absolutely beautiful. It's it's a gorgeous game. The music is just sweet and very compelling all by itself. And now, was this by an independent developer? Obviously, independent game developers have been around for a while, but is it just me, or has 2015 almost become the year of the independent game developer, Mm. where so many more people are finding them? No. (laughs) I mean, I think that's just you, but indie game developers have been successfully building a huge foundation. Successfully, yes. I'm not saying they haven't had success until this year, but there seems to be a real big mainstream break in a lot of the PC-oriented games. And maybe that's because of the popularity of things like Steam. I don't know. And I'm not talking about like phone app games. I'm not talking about like Angry Birds or anything, but just a lot of really big, creative, successful, like really successful yeah, that's not new. I mean, I'm glad that it's still happening. It's just, it's not like a new thing for this year. That's been a trend that's been developing for quite some time now, which is good. Ori and the Blind Forest was developed by Moon Studios. Cool. So I don't want to forget to say that because they are a small studio. So the last one of the best games that were released this year was Pillars of Eternity. Pillars okay. of Eternity is, it's an RPG, kind of like Baldur's Gate. In fact, it gotcha. is kind of the spiritual successor to, to Baldur's Gate. It's not about that story. It's a completely different story, different world. But the gameplay and the mechanics are very drawn from that. And it was developed by Obsidian, who also developed Fallout New Vegas yeah. and uh, other games as well. But that's one that most people are familiar with. Pillars of Eternity was a crowdsourced game. I think it was through Kickstarter. And they developed it for the fans of 
games like Baldur's Gate because that sort of RPG is not common anymore. And it's really hard to find a good one. And it actually was superb, still is superb. And I recommend it to anybody who likes RPGs of any sort that they try Pillars of Eternity. The gameplay is very Very smooth. The story is quite compelling. There are a whole bunch of different character classes you can try. So the replay value is really high. And kind of once you get your feet wet, you can bump up the difficulty and change around your party. And you actually have control of like a six person party and you can change out the classes that are in your party it's just really very deep as an rpg i very much loved it i'm very happy that it came out my honorable mention oh yeah go ahead didn't come out this year but it was released for the ps4 and ps vita this year so it counts it is bastion it's the best game ever made except for maybe final fantasy tactics everyone should have it and play (laughs) it all the time it's fantastic I'm still waiting for it to come back down in price. You told me you could get it on Steam, but I've had problems long on Steam. And I want to play it for my Vita. But I may just go ahead and chill out the 15 because 15 really isn't that expensive for a good game. Right now, it oh, since we're talking about it, uh, Steam Holiday Sale is on right now. And I think it's going through January 7th, I think. It's at least on right now. So everyone needs to get on Steam. Go to the store. Everything is on super sale. Bastion is three seventy four right now. $3.74. Everyone can buy it for nothing just like don't get your latte that day or whatever right. it's amazing seriously everybody needs i'm to play definitely it. interested and i'm not that big of an rpg guy but i'm definitely interested for me and i've talked about this before long ago many moons ago on the podcast i'm not current with video games simply because i always wait for them to get dirt cheap before i get them also you know i do not have a ps4 I don't even have a PS3 or an Xbox One. I have gotten all the way to Xbox 360 Connect. That's where I'm at. And a Wii are the most modern gaming systems I have because I just don't have the money to spend on a new one. But at least one game this year that made me consider, you know, not eating for a month or so to purchase a new game system was probably Arkham Knight. Not the PC version because I've heard it has some huge problems. But the console version, I am a big fan of those Batman Arkham games, which is why Blackgate is kind of a disappointment. I loved Arkham City. Uh, I love Arkham Asylum. And Arkham Knight, I've watched a lot of video on it, and it just seems like everything you'd want in a Batman game, plus the Batmobile. (laughs) It's just, it looks amazing. It's definitely the game I'm the most excited about owning at some point when I do have enough money to get a new console. The game I heard the most about in 2015, without fail, was Fallout 4. Well, yeah, absolutely. It was the one that was the most anticipated, probably without question. Yeah, and I did my last play that I did uh, this year. There's a guy in there who was like, when you first meet him, he's not a geek at all. But when you get to know him, he's very geek. And, you know, there's that thing with video games where if you're a hardcore gamer, you're playing games constantly. If you're not, you pick a game. Like If you love video games, but you just don't have the time to put into it, you pick a game. And you go, okay, this is the game that I'm going to set aside all my free time for. Yeah. And he could not stop talking about Fallout 4. Before it came out, once he started playing it, his girlfriend was like, I'm a Fallout widow for a little while. You know, it was just that exciting. And I've never played any of the Fallout games. But everything I've heard was that for the most part, it did not disappoint. It took what the others had done and added some new and interesting spins to it and probably will go down as one of the top games of the year. Uh, Maybe not the top game of the year, but as far as just consoles and big game companies are concerned, it's the one that is not going to be missed on many top 10 lists. No, I mean, and I think that it is the best selling game of 2015. In fact, I don't know why I said I think. 
I don't even have to look it up. It's the best-selling game of 2015. Yeah. And I also was a Fallout Widow for a little while. As soon as it came out, everybody else in my house was playing Fallout 4 and still are to some extent or another. What were their opinions of it? It's good. They've been playing it since it came out. So, I mean, that's been, what, a month? Yeah. It, no, longer than that, I think. At least two. And still talking about, well, on my next playthrough. Yeah. <laughs> and on my next playthrough after that playthrough. Right. And I don't, I don't really like Fallout for me. Not because there's anything wrong with it. I just don't. It's not your thing. The genre is not my thing. I don't like first person for the most part anyway. And so I just didn't really bother. But I totally know every part of the story because no (laughs) one in my house can shut the hell up about it for 10 minutes. (laughs) So it's not like I'm missing the story aspects of it. Right. And that's cool because that means that I get to experience whatever the story might be without having to bother playing through the first person shooter aspects of it. So best of both worlds for me. They really like it. I think that the general consensus now that they've put that much time into it is that it's not as good as they wanted it to be. And the story has some elements that are seriously lacking. But generally, they've been having a lot of fun with it and playing it nonstop since it came out. So it can't be that bad. Very cool. Uh, The only other game really of any note from 2015 is StarCraft II Legacy of the Void. I didn't really include it because A, I don't play StarCraft II, though the people in my house do. And B, it's actually not a new game. It's just an expansion for StarCraft II, which has been around forever now. But it was kind of big news. And that's being started here in the house so i'm sure that i'll hear more about it soon excellent well then moving on to uh are you much of a television watcher nope and you know these days when you say television watcher you're really referring to netflix and hulu i mean i do watch netflix and hulu was daredevil 2015 it was absolutely this summer okay okay, then we got to talk about that yes that is the one on my tv show list I've got a couple. I got. I did get sucked into The Flash, even though it didn't get started in 2014. Season 2 started in 2015, and I hadn't watched any of it until about a month or two ago, and I recommend it. It's very good. It's very good, especially coming from someone who never really gave a shit about The Flash. It's just a really good show. My review on that is, eh. Oh, you watch it? I watched it, yes. I really enjoyed it. I, I honestly thoroughly did. It was exactly what I think a show about The Flash should have been. Eh, it was cheesy. It was it was slightly better than Arrow, which is a terrible show. <laughs> Despite the fact that the two have crossovers and stuff, like they're related shows, kind of. Like I the don't Marvel really watch Arrow. Netflix I enjoy ones. the times when the Flash crosses over with Arrow, but and you're right, it is cheesy, but it's the right kind of cheese for the material. Usually, yeah. So I mean, if you go into it thinking just like popcorn cinema sort, it's yeah. okay. It's okay. I could see I am, why people enjoy it. It just, right. meh, for me, meh. I am still a fan of The Walking Dead, although you're not, so we won't get into <laughs> details about that. Everyone watches The Walking Dead anyway. But the beautiful thing that Netflix started doing a couple of years ago is allowing people creative control and to basically make TV shows as if they were making a film. A long, gigantic film and plopping all their episodes on Netflix at the same time. And because of the genius of marvel's expanded universe this year we got daredevil yes we did and which it again was, was not a character i really cared about that much oh so fantastic but the show is so good the performances across the board are great i had some reservations and you know we're kind of gonna try and do this spoiler free by the way but i had some reservations when i first saw vincent d'onofrio me too as kingpin the first couple episodes he was on i was like "Ooh, me too i don't know and most people were like on board with him from the start. Yeah, no, I was with you. I was like, oh, okay, um, sure. Yeah. 
But he but was you, amazing. Uh, oh, yeah. If you look at it as, again, it's one of those things where when you have any sort of established mythology, because I'm not a huge Daredevil fan, but I know Daredevil. I know Kingpin from the comics. Sure. You know, my biggest complaint about the Daredevil movie was not the movie as a whole. I thought it was fine at the time. But it was, even though I have no problem with colorblind casting, I thought Michael Clark Duncan overplayed the evil of Kingpin a little bit. Yeah, it was like, very to me, mustache twisty. Yeah. yeah. And to me, Kingpin was always one of those guys that like is an effective villain because he's not necessarily evil. He's just, I need to make as much money and have as much power as possible. And if you get in my way, I'm not going to get gleeful about the fact that I'm going to kill you. I just won't give a shit and we'll kill you. He is the hero of his own story. And Absolutely. I think that, that made, they made that so clear and that dichotomy so vibrant. Yes. And that was the thing. It's like you also have to go into that show realizing, just like you do with something like the first hour and a half of Batman Begins or, you know, the first few seasons, well, the whole series basically of Smallville is that this is not the character you know yet. And when I was really able to wrap my head around that, I started appreciating D'Onofrio's performance more and more. And by the time we got to the end of the first season, I was like, oh, he's fucking brilliant. Yeah, he was absolutely incredible. And I think that the misgivings at the beginning that I had at least were not unintended or at least unintentional. You're probably right. Like not that they wanted us to have misgivings, but that it didn't matter. Like you'll see, it's fine. You can be doubtful now. That's cool. And that is the beautiful thing about what Netflix is doing. Yes. Because I did get sucked into Orange is the New Black. I did get sucked into House of Cards. And as much as it sucks to watch eight to 11 episodes of a series in like two days and then have to wait a whole year to see any more, the beauty of that is that they can develop the story as they see fit. And they're not like hemming and hawing over fan reaction. Because if you don't like it by the time you get to episode four or five on Netflix, there's nothing's going to change. Yeah, so they don't six, have seven to and eight are still there. So, yeah, and that's sort of the beautiful thing of it. It is like just one massive film. And what I think Netflix has proven with this model is that once you give writers and creators creative control to where they don't have a studio breathing down their neck halfway through their season going, ratings are a little low, people are complaining about this or that, lost, so you should, I don't know, pad it out a little bit. Yeah. No, you get what you get. And it is what it is, but also they seem to be given so much freedom because of that format that, you know, Daredevil isn't Daredevil very much in this show at no. all. <laughs> he doesn't even have the costume until like the last five minutes right. of the show, not right. like an episode, but the show. But the skill that went into creating it, the casting, the writing, knowing where they're going from point A to point B in the season, again, is something that I think a lot of network TV suffers from because they know where they're going and then the studio will butt their heads in and go, yeah, but we want like five more episodes this season. Or, yeah. you know, yeah, but the ratings are slipping a little bit, so you got to do something big. Or, you know, it's sweeps month. And this is like, no, the writers knew exactly what they wanted to do and did it. And they hired the right actors. They had just the right production budget to where you got this gritty, intense crime drama that just happened to have a guy who could see even though he's blind. It, it was truly remarkable. I haven't been that blown away by a television show since the first season of Lost, I think. Right. I, I mean, really, it was... I guess I could count Sherlock. Sherlock probably did. Sherlock's for, fantastic. We love Sherlock. But, but other than that, truly an amazing and tour de force that, from everyone involved. connected with the world that Marvel has already established. Yes, some of their movies are better than others. But my God, as we addressed in our Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast, they're doing everything so right for the most part. And this is an extension of that. 
because this is also the first part of a mini TV universe that they're doing. Who knows how connected it'll be to the movies, but it's like every once in a while in the show, they'll mention the Avengers or the yeah. Battle of New York, and you go, oh, right, this is part of that world. Yeah, which is amazing because it helps you live in that world for the next Avengers movie that comes out or whatever. It absolutely does, but it also offers you a different side of that world. Yep. The Avengers movies, even at their darkest moments, are sort of still the big, shiny comic book movies, and yeah. Daredevil's like, fuck you, I will crush your head in a car door. Yeah, uh, we should probably m make mention of Jessica Jones just because it I have not watched it yet, but that's the only reason I can't really talk about it. I have heard that it's fantastic. We're slowly binging, so we're on episode like eight, I think. Well, don't tell me anything about the I'm not plot, going to. I'm not going to at all. Your impression of it so far? It's it's very good. Good. Daredevil blew me away far better. Jessica Jones is a much more, if you can believe it, a much more subtle show. <laughs> that's the other great thing. Marvel's just, whoever thought Jessica Jones would have a fucking show? Yeah. It's good. They're handling her subject matter incredibly well. Luke Cage is in it, right? Yes, Luke Cage is in it briefly. Okay. The David Tennant is the main antagonist. Nice. And honestly, now that we've just had this discussion about Kingpin, it's kind of making me take a, a little mental inventory because at the beginning of Jessica Jones, I had some misgivings about David Tennant as the villain. Which is weird because you would think you would never have misgivings about David Tennant in anything. Yeah, not at all because he's David Tennant and he's brilliant. But I really did. It's only been the last couple episodes that I saw where I kind of started seeing maybe my misgivings were misplaced. Mm -hmm. But now that we've now that we've talked about Vincent D'Onofrio as Kingpin, I'm starting to wonder maybe there maybe that's a thing. Maybe that's yeah. We're supposed well, to not really buy it, except... Another wonderful thing about this format is they can take their fucking time. Yep. Because they don't have to, you know, in the longest movie... Like, again, I go back to Batman Begins, which I really respect because for the first 45 minutes to an hour of that movie, he's not Batman. Right. And you're sitting there going, when's he going to be fucking Batman? But the stuff they give you is so good, you can't, you know it's coming, so you're like, okay. So that, in a movie, is considered patience. In an 11-series season, of course they want to get to good stuff at some point, but they don't have to do it in the first half an hour. They can right. take their time setting up these characters and showing their slow evolution, because I don't even know that Vincent D'Onofrio is fully kingpin from the comics even yet, but he is certainly more on that side than he was when we first met him. And you get why. It's not just a, totally. I gotta be evil. Like, you see his turn, and you kind of go, that's wonderful that I can spend that much time with these characters. Again, the only big disadvantage being you gotta wait so long between series, but it's the same thing with a movie. Yeah. You, you, you see more. a movie that you love, you gotta wait. So, yes, that's probably been the biggest thing for me in TV this year was Daredevil. And again, The Flash, I, I just love it. I do. Nothing really else other than the normal stuff. You know, I thought Walking Dead season so far has been pretty high quality. But other than that, TV, Sucks. I watched way too much YouTube. I am becoming... The I'm becoming part of the of the soundbite generation. TV just generally sucks, like network television. Although I will say I've discovered a show that's been out like it's in its third season now. Blacklist. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've heard so many good things about it. I can't start watching it now because it's in its third season. Yeah, I just discovered it like two or three months ago or whatever. Binge the first two seasons. Got up, caught up through season three where they're at now. And for a network show, especially not just for a network show, but for a serial network show. Yeah. Like for a monster of the week, serial crime drama network show. It's pretty astounding. Yeah. Part of that is that I have been a fan of James Spader since I was yay tall. Yeah. I love James Spader. 
I love right. him. I, I I want to put him on my face. Like he's <laughs> he's always been incredible to me. I've had the hugest crush on him since he was a scrawny little nerd actor dude, and that has only grown over time. And I don't think James Spader in his however old he is now, shaved bald headed, round, broad shouldered older dude i don't think he's ever been sexier yeah and i like scrawny pale nerdy dudes and he is the not scrawny pale nerdy dude in this show he has like he's grown into his voice maybe Mm -hmm. which is incredible but his portrayal of the character that he is is purely spot on he is real i want one of his character in my life (laughs) not just because he's sexy but because he's fucking awesome and the people around him Though it started out kind of not this way because it's a network show. Right. They've actually really raised their game and keep up with him relatively well, which is saying something because James Spader is a master of his craft. Yeah. Well, you know what? That's a great segue because now we can move to movies and the James Spader performance I did see this year because I don't go to the theaters that much. For as much of a movie lover as I am, and I am, I'm much more content to stay at home and watch Netflix. Yeah. I've seen some great movies this year. Not many of them released in 2015. I want to give a <laughs> shout out to my good friend Alex Esso from Starry Eyes because I had her on the Bearded Ones podcast and she's she rocks. But she also made a really good movie that came out in 2014 on Netflix called Starry Eyes. I just watched 13 Assassins the other day for the first time and it's fucking awesome, but not a 2015 movie. So not on this list. Right. When I go to the theater... When I did go to the theater this year, it was to see only a couple of movies in tow with my daughter. And one of them featured a great performance by James Spader was Avengers Age of Ultron, which everyone has seen. (laughs) And what else can you say? It was, I think, just as good as the Avengers. It didn't blow any expectations out of the water, which I feel like a lot of people were kind of like, me, it wasn't the most amazing movie I've ever seen. I'm like, well, that's because it was the sequel to one of the most amazing movies you'd ever seen. And they're just trying to push a story forward and get ready for the completion of this universe that they've created. It did exactly what I wanted it to do. I didn't regret going to the theater to see it at all. And James Spader was awesome. Yes. Age of Ultron was one of the four movies, I think four movies I saw in the theater this year. And I don't regret having done that. But I I do have to agree. It is not as good as the Avengers. It's just not. I think it's about on par. It just didn't give me the same feeling the Avengers did because the Avengers was the first one. Mm, I mean, there is some of that to be taken into account, but in a vacuum, just mechanically, it's slightly not as good a movie. And that's fine. It's That's fine because it is a sequel. It is a continuation of a story. And it's fun. It worked perfectly well. It was a very enjoyable movie. Totally entertaining. Fit with the storyline. It was great. Still had the moments, you know, still had the great comedic moments and the great action moments that would make a crowd go, woo. Sure, absolutely. I mean, I'm not trying to shit on Age of Ultron. It was a great movie. No, I understand. Just, I agree that it was not as good as The Avengers. But then again, I didn't expect it to be. Yeah, that was the thing. Expectations these days are really hurting a lot of movies where they've been so, the major companies that are making sort of the popcorn entertainment movies these days are doing such a good job for the most part, you know excising someone like Transformers Michael Bay from that list or (laughs) Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Michael Bay from that list and maybe I'm being unfair because I haven't seen any of those movies I saw the first Transformers and have not seen any since then but there's a great Spielbergian way of creating popcorn entertainment these past few years mainly coming from like Disney and Marvel that hits an audience right where it needs to be hit and I think people's expectations are getting so high 
And, you know, again, it's the Internet where most of it is used for people to bitch needlessly about things. Uh, I heard a lot of people say they're disappointed with Age of Ultron because they didn't come in their pants. And I'm like, well, yeah, you know, maybe just a little light stroking was what we needed at that point. You don't (laughs) have to explode every single time. Sure. And so the other movies I saw in the theater, I saw Ant-Man. I can't remember if that was a 2015 release. Yes, it absolutely was. uh, Thoroughly enjoyed it. And obviously, uh, we've talked about at length. Force Awakens, which I now have seen twice and cried more the second time. You did not see or at least didn't put on your list the other movie that I saw this year in the theater, which was Jurassic World. I have not seen Jurassic World. Grab your popcorn. It's great. It's Pacific Rim style movie fun. Yeah, I'm definitely going to see it. Don't go into it. And I'm glad that I saw it on the big screen. Like the reason I saw it is because it was the new Jurassic Park movie. And you see that on the big screen. That's just like a thing. And I'm glad that I did. I don't regret seeing it at all. The criticisms of the movie aren't even unfair for the most part, but don't expect it to be a film. It's the feeling of it is very Jurassic Parky while also being more fun than Jurassic Park because Jurassic Park was a a slightly darker film. (laughs) Sure. This isn't as dark. It's very bright and peppy. Although I gather from the from the trailers a higher body count than the original Jurassic Park. Lots of bodies. Yeah. Which I have no problem with. No, seriously, don't go into it expecting to be Jurassic Park, which was a, a trend-setting, groundbreaking oh, film in its own right. Don't I think expect it's much that. harder to be groundbreaking these days because so many advancements have happened and everyone's using them. That the way you're groundbreaking these days is to use those effects and be also a good story. Yeah, and honestly, if you don't go into it with the mind of a movie critic... And you just go into it with your popcorn and you want to enjoy an enjoyable, entertaining movie. It fits the bill. Excellent. Chris Pratt does a great job. Of course he does. The laughs come at the right place. The shocks come at the right place. The story is cute. It's not too deep. And if you're not thinking about it too hard, it's perfectly internally consistent. Just sure. go with it and have a good time. And it was great for that. Just expect it to tick the boxes. Yeah, in exactly. A satisfying way. Exactly. It was a very satisfying and entertaining film. And I'm really glad that I went to see it. And then the last one that I saw was Force Awakens. Obviously. Which we, again, we've talked about at length. We both loved it. I saw it with my friend Jace uh, yesterday, who had not seen it yet. And there was a, was a joy in going to the movie, even though the theater was not packed at all. In fact, we went at the exact right time, because as we came out, there was a line of people going in. And, you know, some movies are a great ma- massive audience experience. I think The Force Awakens counts as that. But also, you just know, like, it's always fun to go see a movie that you loved with moments in it. And then go back with someone who hasn't seen it yet to see them react to those moments. Yeah, uh, we did that. I think my most memorable one of doing that is from a movie I didn't love that I actually thought was horrid, but was really entertaining in its badness, which was G.I. Joe. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We saw G.I. Joe. And I mean, it's it's terrible from start to finish. And that's what makes it great. Right. And then we took our friend Paul to see G.I. Joe, who is even bigger into horrible movies that are great because they're bad. And we spent the whole movie just turned to the left. Yeah. <laughs> we were just watching him watch it because he his reactions were the best. So those are those are the fun times when you get to go, okay, I know what's happening here. Right. Let me and, just and, kind uh, of casually look over my shoulder real yeah, quick. And, and see that was what the you thing think. too. I didn't take my eyes off the screen. I just had him in my periphery. Yep. And he's not the most the biggest expressive person in the world. He's just really like a cool dude. And there are moments, I won't say what they are, because no spoilers, but if you've seen the movie, you know what all of them are. And he would giggle, he would gasp. He would clap. 
you know, it was great. And I remember halfway through because when I saw it the first time, I got a little misty and I teared up once or twice. <sighs> By the time there are about 20 or 30 minutes left of that movie, especially knowing what's coming, I'm not going to I'm not going to lie. I was bawling. See, I cry pretty easy at movies and I didn't have that reaction. So that's kind of surprising to me. It surprised me that it happened more the second time than the first. It really did. And I think a lot of it does have to do with just the pure nostalgia of it. The feeling like you got something of your childhood back. The plot points that are supposed to give you those feelings. And I just I just bawled. I'm not even going to lie. For like the last 20, 30 minutes of that movie, I was just like, I can't even see the screen. <laughs> <laughs> all the tears. Why is everybody wiggly? Is there something wrong with the projector? I was like, oh no, that's my own tears. Aww. Yeah, it was it was pretty eventful. But the problem with talking about those movies is you don't want to spoil it too much, so we can't say too much. Right. Based on that, I think now's a good time, especially since we've been talking for an hour, to move on to certain things we're excited about for 2016. Sure. Do you want to go in the same order? Well, I kind of maybe we could go backwards order. Sure. Simply because we're already on the movies and as a part of any movie uh, that you would see, obviously, there's a percentage of you, maybe not with The Force Awakens, but there's a small percentage of you that's also excited about what trailers you might see. Yeah. Right now, the movie I am the most excited about, that the trailer gets me the most excited about, bar none, is Civil War. Oh, for real. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would like it to come out today. <laughs> there were different trailers for each showing of Star Wars that I saw. The only one consistent was Civil War, and it was the only one I truly got excited about. Still. It, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. What's funny, and I think what shows, too, is the first time I saw The Force Awakens, they had the trailer for some alien movie featuring uh, Chloe Grace Moretz. And I remember halfway through that trailer thinking, oh, this is the new Independence Day trailer. And then it wasn't, but it looked exactly like it. And then right after it was the new Independence Day trailer. Okay. <laughs> and I went, wow, these are the exact same movie. Just one is Jeff Goldblumless. Jeff Goldblumless. I wish I could be excited about either of those movies. I'm simply not because I don't know. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to see the new Independence Day at some point. It's just got two. It, we just said that Jurassic World was effective because it ticked all the boxes. Yep. So that and that's fine but there's something that was sort of lacking to me in the excitement level for those trailers when you can see that these two movies that are completely separate look exactly the same it's the same shots of the ships coming over the planet breaking through the clouds people's reactions to seeing them break the atmosphere which in the first independence day was awesome and now i'm just like well yeah but yeah okay you I don't know, know and again, like it's totally on my list. There are some very valid complaints about the Force Awakens taking some plot points from A New Hope and just redoing them. For some reason, most of that didn't really bother me. But when I go and watch a trailer that looks, especially when they're two in a row that look exactly the same, same style, same same plot point, same everything, I just kind of go, Ugh. but Civil War. I haven't stopped being excited about it yet. No, that's going to be incredible. But I, Independence Day Re Resurgence is totally on my list of movies I'm excited for in 2016. I sure. hadn't even heard about it until I saw the trailer at The Force oh, Awakens. Really? And I about shit my pants. It was like almost as exciting as being there for Star Wars. I had the exact opposite reaction. I was just like, oh, yeah. To me, I expect here is my level of expectation. It will be the Jurassic World of Independence Day. <laughs> It's just going to be fun, and I'm really, really excited for it. I'm definitely going to see it, because I have very fond memories of Independence Day seeing it in the theaters the first time. Mm, aspects of that movie have not held up very well. Other aspects of it have held up great. I love the design of the aliens, you know, the ships breaking through the clouds and being as massive as they were. Yeah. 
like the scene where Will Smith is outside in his yard and he puts down the newspaper because his kid is, you know, shooting the ray gun at the aliens and he has no idea what the fuck he's talking about. And then you just see that ship that's like five miles long hovering over the city. Those images like burned in my brain and have stayed there ever since. I hope that they can recreate that magic for me. But at the very least, as long as I go see it and go, yeah, it was fun, I won't be too disappointed. Yeah, that's the thing. I don't expect it to recreate any magic. I just, I want its own magic to be fun, huge aliens and shooting. Like, I don't give a shit about any of that. Make it a relatively, relatively consistent story and fucking show me aliens trying to kill the planet and us winning. That's what I want. And that's totally what I'm going to get. So whatever. (laughs) Although I would really respect it if we don't win. I would if they make the artistic choice. (laughs) Jeff Goldblum. The human race gets wiped out. Checkmate. And then the earth blows up. (laughs) I would be fine with that. Sure. But yeah, I mean, I'm going to see it. I just, the one I'm the most excited about is I I am kind of excited about Superman v. Batman just because I do want to see Superman and Batman in the same movie. The trailer's... I do think they're giving way too much away. I think they're trying to stuff that movie too full of things, but it's not going to stop me from seeing it. But I'm not nearly as excited about any of them as I am about Civil War. Yeah, X-Men Apocalypse is also coming. Oh, yeah, that was a pretty good trailer. That actually allied some of my fears, too, about Apocalypse in general. Yeah. Because they didn't do themselves any favors by releasing some pictures of him on set. Yeah. And maybe it was their way of sort of preemptively striking against the disappointment of the slight silliness of his costume because Apocalypse is bad fucking ass. Yeah. And Brian Singer's done such a good job with all the X-Men movies that he's helmed. I saw those pictures of Apocalypse and kind of went, hmm. But it's in the hands of Brian Singer, so I'm not going to be too worried. And I was right to not be too worried, I think. Because yeah. the trailer looks pretty awesome. Yeah, so I'm, it looks very, very good. Deadpool, also next year? Early next year. Oh, yeah, Deadpool. Yes, very looking forward to that. I don't think they had any trailers for it in front of Star Wars, but yes. It's the little things, too. I love the fact that they have kept the eye white on his mask and that they've also allowed it to move a little bit. Okay, here's the thing. I kind of don't like that, but maybe that's because I am ignorant on a fact. So help me because the people I've asked didn't know. Well, here's why I like it. I'm not going to be throwing facts at you because maybe I'm just ignorant, but here's why I like it. Because ever since comic book movies started, the idea of having those characters in their costumes from the comic books has always been kind of lapped at, with the exception of people who are sort of defined by their costumes, like Batman and Superman. You know, there's that thing in the first X-Men movie. None of them are wearing the spandex and they even make a joke about it. So, like, there's always been a thing of people going, you know, we really can't translate what the comics do into what into a movie. And one of the biggest problems with that, too, is things like the two big ones in my mind. Batman, for one thing, in the comics, he has the eye white on his mask. You go look at the animated series. His eyes are white. You can't see his eyes. You just imagine that it's some sort of thing he's able to see through. But in order to provide facial expression in the comics, they have to have those things move up and down. And you never think about the fact that it doesn't make any sense. In the Spider-Man comics, whenever his spidey sense goes off, the big, like, triangular eye whites of his mask react. You know, they enlarge in shock and horror. Okay, so what you're saying is that the CGI of that effect in the Deadpool movie is just a translation of that literally from the comic book page onto the screen. So it's not that there's actually an explanation that the mask has somehow gotten onto his eyes and therefore is actually moving. It's just an acknowledgement of what they've always done in the comics that you accept as a reader. 
So it's just it's just an abstraction as a way to bring that to life. One of the reasons that in in every Spider-Man movie, his mask gets ripped to shreds is the studio wants to see his face right. and wants to see his reactions to what's going on. And when you just have a realistic mask, you can't do the things that a comic book can do. Batman movies have always had to deal with the problem of the black eye makeup because that's the closest they could get because you can't have Batman in his cowl and just see the skin around his eyes. So he has to put on black makeup in order to at least make himself more mysterious and yep. get as close as they could in a believable way to the eye white. Now, had they done the whole eye white thing in the Christopher Nolan movies, it wouldn't have worked. No. But this is Deadpool. Yeah. And this is the closest thing I have ever seen. Now that you've said that, as an abstraction from page to screen, for Deadpool only, that makes perfect sense and it no longer bothers me. Yeah. Like, that explanation is fantastic and I actually really like it now. Whereas five minutes ago, I thought it was fucking retarded. <laughs> well, there's a great moment that they always, you know, have to get around. If you go back and watch Batman Returns, which a lot of people shit on that movie, I kind of like it. There's a moment towards the end when Catwoman is talking to him in his Batman suit and he's trying to convince her to not kill Christopher Walken, even though in that Batman world, he's killed like every fucking body up to that point. He has to he takes off his mask so he can relate to her on a human level. And it's one of the worst editing mistakes in a movie because they couldn't get around it. They didn't want to have him take off the mask and have his eyes all smudgy with black mascara. So right before he takes off the mask, you see a close up of him. He's got the black eye makeup on. It goes to Catwoman's reaction, then back to him as he's ripping the mask off. And right before he rips it off, you can perfectly see his eyes. And it was how they had to deal with it because they show him ripping off the mask. They don't cut away from anything. So when he comes back, in fact, Christopher Nolan in Dark Knight Rises was thinking about addressing that. He was going to have a scene where Christian Bale took off his bat cowl in the bat cave and had black shit all over his eyes. But he was just like at the last second. He was like, no, we can't touch it. But Deadpool is like, yeah, fuck it. I'll do it. That's I, I actually I can do the comic book thing now. That's great. That's great. Because Deadpool is he's the broken fourth wall of comic book. It's amazing. Absolutely. He That's, is. I love that explanation. Thank you. That makes me feel so You're much better. Very welcome. Well, and it just is like, you know, the exciting thing about Deadpool and the exciting thing about what Brian Singer's doing with the new X-Men movie to a certain extent is they are doing that thing where they are taking it straight from the page and putting it in a movie. Yep. So that little acknowledgement that they're doing that, it warms my heart. Uh, let's see. So the last Marvel one, Doctor Strange. I have not seen any trailers for Doctor Strange. I don't think there are trailers yet for Doctor Strange. We just got the publicity still for Benedict casting Cumberbatch. Casting choice is, is amazing, yep. as always with fucking Marvel. They cannot get casting wrong. There were a couple of people I'd heard who were going to be Doctor Strange, and none of them I was like, oh, that's a terrible idea. I think at one point it might have been Johnny Depp, and fuck it, I'll watch Johnny Depp play Doctor Strange. But Benedict Cumberbatch... Thank you, Marvel Studios. Yeah, to me, that lens, like, I know nothing about it. And I kind of don't want to. I kind of would like this movie to be my introduction to Doctor Strange yeah. as a character because I just, I just know nothing about him. So I'm a little excited all by itself. But I think that just in a vacuum, Benedict Cumberbatch adds a level of gravitas to a character well, absolutely does. that is a comic book character. Like, since I don't know anything about him, I don't know how much gravitas is owed him. But just with that casting choice uh, over, say, Johnny Depp, it adds that to me. Not being a Doctor Strange expert, I will say that the, I have a few issues of comics with him in them, usually crossovers and things like that. He is that character who has that weight. Yes, his costume's a little on the silly side for that, but he is a character who has that weight. So, yes, Benedict Cumberbatch is a better choice than Johnny Depp. Nothing against Johnny Depp. I love no. Johnny Depp. But Benedict Cumberbatch is a slightly better choice because of that. I'm excited. I love Benedict Cumberbatch. I love Marvel movies. 
I'm just thrilled. And then the last one that's on my list is the Warcraft movie. Yeah. And we talked about that at length last episode. Uh, I am not nearly as excited about it as you are, but I will see it. Whether or not it's in the theaters, I don't know. I will see Civil War in the theaters. I will see Age of Apocalypse in the theaters. Probably Batman v Superman in the theaters. And the rest, you know, I'm, I'm absolutely content to wait for certain things. I'm not the guy that has to see something just because it's a spectacle in the theaters. Because for me, going to the theaters is kind of a chore. Unless it's like a Saturday afternoon with my daughter just to go see a movie. But the, there, those are the movies that I will definitely see in the theater. All right. Uh, TV? <sighs> House of Cards, season four. Very much looking forward to. Okay. Looking forward to when Ash versus the Evil Dead comes on the Netflix. <laughs> which will probably happen next year. We can hope. I- I saw the first episode. I can't remember how. I think they allowed it to be free on Stars. Uh, loved it and hate that I can't see the rest of the show. Yeah. So it will hopefully come to Netflix in 2015. I will be binging it. 16. 16, yes. I will be binging it. Well, hey, hopefully 2015. we got three <laughs> days left. But yes, I will definitely be binging that. Luke Cage is mine. Luke Cage I will probably be more excited for Luke Cage once I see Jessica Jones. But yes, any continuation of the quality of the Marvel Universe that they've done. They've talked about doing an Iron Fist show at one point. They're going to. I had heard it was canned, and then I started to hear again that, no, they're going to do it. And it's like, I don't know shit about Iron Fist. But because of their track record so far, of course I'm going to watch it. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. They're they're amazing. And it's still on the official Cinematic Universe release schedule. So as far as I am aware, I think they were close to calling quits on Iron Fist for a little while. I don't Mm. know why, but I think there was a possibility. But yeah, I will absolutely watch that. I want to say there are other things, nothing that comes to mind. So therefore, I can't be that excited about it. Yeah, no, Luke Cage is the only one for me. And if Iron Fist comes out next year, Iron Fist, but they don't know yet. So right. Let's see. Going backwards. Gaming? Gaming. I mean, Final Fantasy VII, do you have to say? I'm not that excited about it. It's apparently not even Final Fantasy VII, so fuck it. What? Like, they've changed it completely. There's a lot of nerd rage about what they've done with Final Fantasy VII for the re-release, or the redo. Hmm. It's going to be done in chapters, so you're going to have to buy... Oh, it's one of those. ...parts of it, and... It's not, not going to be a console game? Yeah. But it's in chapters? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Okay. They took out turn-based combat, which, I mean, is fine because that's... It's not fine because then it's not Final Fantasy VII, but... Right. I mean, games aren't really turn-based combat anymore. Whatever. That's... If that was the only thing, it wouldn't be that big a deal, but it's not. Like, it's it's too long a list to really go into without getting into a whole nerd rage about it, but they've kind of fucked it. But it will still be, like, a mega seller. Oh, it absolutely will, but it won't be Final Fantasy VII. Hmm. Interesting. They had such a chance to please fans for so long. Yep. But it's it doesn't look good at this point. What is it for you? Okay, so the one that I think you would probably be most interested in will be mm-hmm. Daisy hits its actual like full release next year. Cool. Daisy is a zombie survival horror game. Excellent. It's huge right now. It's in early access, so I mean you can get into it, but it's not actually a completed full released game yet. And lots of people, everybody who plays it basically, I haven't heard all that many bad reviews about it. Just rave. If you like survival horror, if you like zombies, this is the game for you. So Excellent. that's coming out. Dishonored two, which they announced this year at E3, which if it wasn't in first person, I would be super excited about. The story right. from Dishonored 1 was great, and I'm sure that somebody in my house will get it, so I'll be able now to when watch is, it. Uh, when is the new Kingdom Hearts coming out? No idea. Oh. <laughs> I do not know. It's killing you a little bit, isn't it? A little bit, yeah. Let's see. The other one, Uncharted 4. Oh, yeah. Which is the newest release in the Uncharted series, obviously yeah. with Nate Drake. It is an amazing, amazing platformer 
series. Love that game series. I am super sad that it's only out for the PS4. That was another thing I forgot to mention for 2015 is how glad I am to have Laura Croft back. Yeah, she's with getting... the Tomb Raider reboots and everything. She'll have a, a Rise of the Tomb Raider or Age of Tomb Raider or something. <laughs> but yeah, Uncharted 4 is coming out next year, but it's only for the PS4, which really pisses me off because I don't fucking have any interest in getting a PS4. Yeah, I know. So I will never get to play Uncharted 4. That sucks because I really love that series, but fuck it. Well, maybe one day when the PS4 goes down in price, you could buy it just for that game. It, yeah, by that by the time Uncharted 4 is no longer even playable, probably. Because GameStop was doing an interesting thing recently online where you could get a Wii U, an Xbox One, and a PS4 for like 500 bucks. It was like this amazing like short-term limited deal bundle. The problem was they were all like pre-owned, so you couldn't be assured that they were going to work. And I was like, ugh. I was so close to spending so much money so frivolously, and then I was like, no, nah, I can't do it. Eh, I'm not going to buy a console for one game, even if it's a game I really love. I'm just not. It's not worth it. So they're either going to come out with it on PC, or I'm never going to play it. Right. Let's see. The two that I am most super excited about, like that I actually really personally cannot wait for them to release, if they release tomorrow, it would make my whole life. The first is Overwatch. Okay. Fuck, it pisses me off. I did not get into the beta for Overwatch. I don't know what the hell. I've done beta runs for Blizzard before, but they didn't invite me to this one, and it just chaps my ass. I'm so angry because I want to play this game so bad. Which one is this? Overwatch is... How to best explain it? Are you familiar at all with Team Fortress 2? A little bit. I'm not an expert at all. Okay, it's kind of like Team Fortress 2. Okay. You have like, I don't remember how many there are in Overwatch anymore, 24, I think, character types characters that have certain skill sets to choose from and it's your team made up of any number of these characters or duplicates of these characters or whatever trying to effectively capture the flag from the other team who is set up in alternate fashion and so you just kill each other a bunch and try to take their flag and take it back to your base and there are different games that are played within that game like push the minecart or whatever it's objective based but it's just a lot of killing it's the only type of first person shooter i like to play i'm a huge fan of team fortress 2 i think it's great it's basically blizzard's team fortress 2 and blizzard makes a really good game the animation looks fantastic their character models are really in-depth the different types of weaponry and assaults that you can do are vast it just looks incredible and i cannot wait to play and i'm so envious of the people who are in the beta right now because <laughs> i'm not one of them and i'm really looking forward to that sometime in about the middle of next year and awesome. that'll be great the second one is the full release of the game arc survival evolved okay i'm actually in the early release for that one i've been playing that for four or five months now it's amazing i didn't even want to play it to begin with because I don't really like early access. Surprises are always the best. Yeah, I don't really like early access games for the most part, because I'm not typically a huge fan of paying to be a beta tester. Like, if you need someone to test your game, you pay me, or you give me access to the game for free. But I got convinced to play it, and it's it's incredible. Basically, you awake on a semi-deserted island that's full of dinosaurs and wildlife that wants to kill you, and you are naked on the beach, and you have to survive. And so you, you have to make tools and research technology and build shelter and oh, that does sound very cool and you get to tame dinosaurs and ride very around cool. on them fucking i get to ride around on a tyrannosaurus rex and wreck shit it's yeah okay sold it's fucking brilliant and i've been playing it for a while and so as it's developed i've been able to see how the changes have come in and they keep adding new dinosaurs the developers i don't think the developers of that game sleep 
because they are constantly patching. Yeah. Like every day there is at least an update. So it's always changing. It's always evolving. It keeps getting better. The graphics are beautiful if you have a computer that can handle them. And they're even pretty good if you have to set it on low graphics settings. Yeah. It's so fun and I cannot wait for it to finally be in release. I'm really excited to be a part of it, actually. Awesome. So that's my last game for 2016. Well, I don't have a ton because like I say, I'm at least a couple of years behind on most games. I will say this. I saw a a top 10 list yesterday. And since we're coming to the end of the game discussion, I just want to acknowledge we've talked about Steam a lot. And really anybody that works for an online company, you just kind of complimented these guys on this game. But there's an interesting element to that that I didn't think about until I saw someone mention it on YouTube is that you really got to give these guys a lot of credit too for let's just say you're a Steam employee who's excellent at server repair. And let's just say you're home with your family on Christmas Day and the servers go down and you are like the guy. Yep. Big props to everybody that has to get off their asses on Christmas Day with their families, you know, get out of their pajamas and drive to the office and work on getting the servers corrected so that millions of people can play the new games they just got on Steam or purchased or whatever. So big ups to them. It's a big sacrifice for your work. And you're doing a great job. Yeah. Gaming developers and kind of the personnel infrastructure behind all things gaming are very underappreciated, I think. Well, it's because we're so used to just me get internet when I want internet, me get internet now, me get what I want now. And we never think about the fact that, you know, there is a man behind the curtain or woman. Right. (laughs) Man just in general. So, yeah, big props to them. And finally, technology. What are you the most excited about in 2016? Uh, There are two Mars missions scheduled, one from ESA and one from NASA. Beautiful. So the ExoMars from European Space Administration and InSight from NASA, they both go to Mars next year. Uh, I think ExoMars launches in March and lands in October, maybe. And I think InSight's scheduled to land in the summer sometime. So that'll be cool. They're doing probes and checking out the atmosphere and all sorts of scientific whatnots about Mars. It'll be nice to get more info. And the last thing that I'm super excited about from tech, not just science, but just tech in general, is that... They've got them developed. I'm just hoping that next year, mosquito lasers finally get commercial. I'm sorry, what? Mosquito lasers. You can shoot mosquitoes with lasers? No, it's an automated... Damn. Fence That's what of- I want. I want to be able to not just kill mosquitoes, but burn them out of the sky with tiny lasers. Yeah, that's effectively exactly what it is. It's just not you doing it. It's automated because mosquitoes are tiny and you can't see them. Ooh. So it's just a little laser turret, basically. And nice. It just fucking shoots them with lasers and they die. And it can shoot like 50 or 100 of them a second. That's amazing. Oh, dude, it is totally amazing. And the... Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation has been partnered to get this developed for like five or six years. The developer finally came up with a good prototype that actually pretty much works. And they're thinking that they can be less than $50 each to make, which is pretty expensive for manufacturing. But if they can get that down so it can be commercial, that would be great. If they can get it down enough that it can actually be mass produced, we could theoretically wipe out mosquitoes. That'd be awesome. Fuck yeah, it would. Um, again, you you kind of go the more humanitarian route than me. I could have included this in video games, but I'll just say it because it is completely technically new technology, even though a lot of people have known about it for a couple of years. I want to get my hands on an Oculus Rift so bad, and I think next year is the year where they'll finally hit the shelves. Now, obviously, I'm probably not going to be able to afford them right off the bat, but just the fact that they're out there and gettable, I'm very excited about because I think... There's definitely, for me, an aspect of really putting yourself in the game of whatever you're doing that I can't not fall in love with. It's just a step closer to the holodeck. Have you seen the Omni? 
Yes, I have. I've seen a couple of different variations on what the Oculus Rift started to do because it's actually been operational for a while. It's just not mass market. Hey, it's on the shelf. I also saw, is the Omni the one that's like the Viewmaster, except it's like you put your cell phone into it or something like that? I can't remember. No, the Omni is like a full system like that you can stand in and walk so it cures. The oh, my God. Sickness. Yes, I have seen those. I have seen those. I can only imagine they're going to be so much more expensive than the Oculus Rift. Like to me, I'm not really all that excited about the Oculus Rift in general as a technological advancement. It's cool. It's good that we're doing that. Yeah. And but to me, that's like a super alpha prototype. This isn't really a real thing. This is just a proof of concept. It's not a thing that you could ever actually use. I've seen so much footage online. Again, going back to the Fine Brothers React channel, they have a ton of Oculus Rift React videos where it's like they're, hanging it, they're handing it to old people. They're handing it to teenagers and all this other stuff. And they're doing it. They're all doing it. So like that shows me that it's a reality. If I had any negative to say about what I've seen, it's that a lot of the games are really short because it's all just about I'm walking through a maze and now this thing's going to happen or something like that. Well, like you, the Oculus Rift all by itself is just a piece of what would make a VR system a whole right, system. Right, right. And all by itself, I don't find it all that valuable. Again, as like an alpha proof of concept prototype thing, it's fantastic. But you need a whole VR system. So if the Oculus Rift, and that's kind of what the Omni's for, is to work with whatever your VR headset thing is so that you're actually able to use it because how right. nothing is valuable if it can't be used for its purpose. Sure. So the thing that I am more excited about is the thing that makes stuff like the Oculus Rift, useful. I just want virtual reality. I don't give a shit where it comes from. <laughs> I want a holodeck. I don't care how I get it. I know you do. I guess we're getting to the point where we probably should close it out. Before we do, I just thought I would give us a quick overview of some of the biggest Google searches of 2015. Yes, what were we all interested in this year? This is through Google Trends, and it's not sort of an overall. It's You really got to think of it like since this whatever came out. Sure. This is how many Google searches. The first one on their list, and it really is impressive seeing is how it hasn't been out for that long. Star Wars, the latest installment, that is the actual Google phrase, I guess. Okay. Since December has had 155 million searches. That's a lot. That's a lot. Uh, Paris under attack. Okay. Um, since November, 897 million, which that makes a lot of sense because I remember the. it wasn't quite as traumatizing as 9-11, but I remember when I heard about it, I'll probably never forget it because somebody said, you heard about Paris? And I was like, yeah, they're great. They're like, no, no. <laughs> oh, have you heard about what's happening in Paris? I was like, no. So, yeah. Adele, Adele's year since November, 439 million searches. People love Adele. They really do. And I'm already sick of the Hello parodies. I think I've never actually heard it. I haven't heard the whole song. I've heard a shit ton of parodies. They're everywhere. And I got nothing against Adele. People fucking chill with the parodies because the name of the song is Hello. So people are just that is such a broad canvas to work from. Sure. The Royals winning the World Series since November. 144 million searches. Sports balls. Yeah. Balls in your face. A lot of searches for that. And this is where it kind of gets sad to me. This is where it shows where most people's priorities are. What have we already talked about that's so exciting? Water on Mars. Since October, 10 million searches. Well, that's quite the drop. It's a huge drop. Adele, since November, 439 million. Water on Mars, which could mean so many. It has so many possibilities for discovering life, for colonization purposes. Maybe saving our planet one day if we got to get the fuck off this rock and find somewhere else to live and colonize. And it only gets 10 million searches. The Pope coming to America since September, 14 million. 
Okay. The Volkswagen emissions scandal. Oh, Jesus. Which I'm really not that familiar with. Since September, 13 million. The migrant crisis, the Syrian migrants, uh, since for all of 2015, I guess, 23 million. That seems very low. Yeah, it really does. The 2016 election, 338 million. Well. Cecil the Lion, <laughs> which angered me greatly, since July, 32 million. Okay. This one's interesting to me because, you know, we never think, we, we as Americans who believe we're the only country on the planet believe that whatever we're interested in has to be the most interesting thing out there. Not many people in this country give two shits about soccer. However, the Women's World Cup since July has received 113 million searches. The Women's World Cup was a very exciting sports balls event. It was event. extremely exciting, but it's still, it's, you don't think about how much the world is paying attention until you see something like this. Yeah. The Iran nuclear deal, 20 million since July. Cuba and the U.S. restore relations since July, 27 million. Okay. John Stewart and David Letterman say goodbye to their shows, A New Era and Late Night TV, 141 million. Well, that, then they can't just be narrowing it by that search term because no one is searching for that. No. <laughs> Guns in America, 160 million. Okay. Caitlyn Jenner, since June, 366 million searches. Well, apparently you have to keep up with those Kardashians or something. <laughs> Mayweather versus Pacquiao, since May, 216. Okay. And that's not million, that's just 216. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. That was apparently a very big deal, of which, again, I didn't really give two shits about. Princess Charlotte, the new royal baby, since May, 105 million. Bleh. The actual phrase, Black Lives Matter, in 2015, 189 million. Okay. Same-sex marriage since April, 108. Okay. Nepal earthquake since April, 85. Okay. Farewell to the brightest stars, which, again, no one is typing that in no. Google. But according to this, since February, it's really just, I think, people searching for information on the celebrities that have passed this year. They have a picture of Leonard Nimoy on there. Goodbye, Mr. Nimoy. We love you. Uh, 123 million. Oscars, 2015, since February, 406 million. And last, but certainly least, in my opinion, and this was something I didn't even get for the longest time because people were talking about it. And I was like, what the fuck is everyone talking about? The dress. Everyone knows what I'm talking about. Yep. Since February, 73 million, which is actually kind of a lower number than I expected. Yeah, no kidding. Because that was a huge thing. And I'm still not sure why it was a huge thing, but it was. Well, because some people saw it as black and gold and some people saw it as white and blue yeah you know what i saw it as not nearly as interesting as any other thing i could possibly look at <laughs> so that's your big google searches for the year we are a very boring people we are a very shallow people as well when yeah. adele beats everything else again nothing against adele but water on mars yeah come on anyway well that's i think everything we got we are very happy about this year and the great advancements we've made in a lot of areas. We're both, I think I can speak for us both, very excited to see where 2016 brings us. Definitely. And if, Carissa, somebody wants to tell us about what they think of 2015, 2016, or whatever else we talked about, how can they do that? They can get in touch with us via email at lucky10,000, all spelled out, lucky10,000 at Gmail, or hit us up on Twitter at lucky underscore 10K. Great, and that's awesome. And also, please feel free, if you would like, to give us a five-star review on either iTunes or Stitcher, whatever you say in that review we will read it on air and i think that's everything so we hope you guys had a great 2015 we hope you have an even better 2016 have a safe and happy new year's eve absolutely we'll see you next year and i hope you got lucky this year good night nerds thank you for being a part of the lucky 10,000 with your hosts 
Evan and Carissa. Email us at lucky10,000 at gmail.com. Find Lucky 10,000 on Twitter at lucky underscore 10k. And visit our podcast network site at beardedpodsnetwork.com.